uncertainty and optimism. Those are two sentiments that obviously are polar opposites from each other, but oftentimes also follow each other in the same sentence. And those two words each describe the general mood concerning Arizona State football and basketball squads these days. On the football side, Herm Edwards' team already missed two games due to COVID-19 outbreak and whether it will get to resume the season, presumably with a home game against Utah this weekend, is still up in the air. Although, as of right now, there's still some degree of optimism that the game still may take place. And when it comes to Bobby Hurley's team, a rare preseason top 25 ranking has both local and national pundits bullish on the prospects of the Sun Devils. But the question is, how quickly can some elite recruiting talent, along with promising true freshmen, mesh together in a hurry to realize those lofty expectations? So this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast won't be a gloom and doom session, nor will be a sugarcoat bonanza. But as always, we will try to paint the most realistic picture of Sun Devil sports. So thanks for joining us. Let's get started. I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town Welcome to the Devil's Junkies Podcast. I'm your host and DevilsDigest.com publisher, Hood Rubino. And look, we knew it was going to be a very challenging football season. We knew that the cloud of COVID-19 was going to hover around the entire Pac-12, for that matter, the entire world of college football for the entire campaign. But there's still a great feeling of disbelief among Sun Devil fans as to what is happening right now with the program, or maybe more likely what's not happening Arizona State due to a COVID-19 outbreak that has affected six assistant coaches, head coach Herm Edwards, and numerous players, has also caused several players to be in a contact tracing protocol, which we'll talk about in a minute, has caused the Sun Devils to cancel their second and third scheduled games of the 2020 season, the second game being a home meeting versus Cal, the third contest, a road game in Boulder against the University of Colorado. And as we're sitting here on Saturday the 21st, we are wondering whether a game against Utah, which is supposed to be a home game in Tempe, will take place, whether it's going to be on Saturday, November 28th, or Sunday, November 29th. And we'll touch on that uh, scheduling uh, dilemma, if you will, in a few minutes as well. Discussing this whole COVID-19 issue is one that probably doesn't come over that well over a podcast as it would in a written session, but nonetheless, we'll try to get into the weeds over here and discuss all the intricacies, all the nuances that are causing Arizona State to be in the position that they are right now and try to give our educated guests whether or not the Sun Devils will meet the Utes this coming weekend. So let's talk about the timeline because that is really, in my opinion, the most crucial aspect to understand here. So basically, the first positive COVID-19 test on the team did start trickling in Wednesday night before the Cal game. That would be November 11th. And after a rash of 
many positive tests on the team. The Sun Devils did not have their, what back then was their scheduled last practice before the Cal contest, now Thursday, November 12th. The entire team took uh, a more stringent COVID-19 test, what is known as the PCR test. And that's a test that can still be administered by saliva. It can also be administered with a nasal swab. But more importantly, it's a test that you do not get a rapid result. Thus, it's more stringent. Thus, it is considered to be more accurate. Uh, Really, in a nutshell, a rapid test, which you get results within 15 minutes, will just deem a person infectious or not. But the PCR test, the more stringent one, that takes longer for the results to come back, would actually determine if you do or do not have the virus. So really, if you're looking to cover all your bases, for good or for bad, you really need to take the PCR test to see where you truly stand at. So when the team did take that PCR test on Thursday morning, November 12th, uh, that's when the grim news uh, did uh, trickle down Thursday evening, Friday morning, that there was such a great amount of both players and coaches that were infected, and more importantly, a lot of players that would have to sit out due to contact tracing, in other words, being in close proximity to those players and coaches that got infected, that Arizona State simply did not have enough players to field uh, on that game against Cal and thus had to cancel that game. Ironically, if you recall, Cal was having COVID issues all week long, uh, but did get uh, the clearance from the city of Berkeley uh, Friday before the scheduled game that they could actually play. But sure enough, it was Arizona State that was ultimately the reason for canceling that game. So why is the timing so important? Uh, look, you definitely don't want to be the recipient of a positive COVID-19 test. I think that goes without saying. But if you are unfortunate to be in that position, it is much better to be in that unfortunate position in the beginning of the week rather than the end of the week. And this is why. So players that were showing positive Wednesday, November 11th, basically have uh, a mandated 10 days due to CDC guidelines to not be in close proximity uh, to their teammates, obviously need to test negative. And if they did test negative after that 10th day, they would presumably be able to return to practice, obviously, assuming that they don't have any lingering effects and are feeling uh, just fine, have no symptoms whatsoever. What really gets complicated here is the players that are in the contract tracing protocol. Those are players, again, that were in close proximity to the players that got infected and or the coaches that got infected. And those players actually have to wait 14 days until they can end their own quarantine and obviously test negative don't show and not show any symptoms before they can return to the practice field. So basically in your situation right now that the last batch of players and probably coaches for that matter in contract tracing protocol would not be able to return to the practice field until Friday, November 27th. This is ahead of a scheduled and you can put scheduled with a big old asterisk next to it because again, we have no idea if this game is going to take place or not, but the One day before a scheduled Saturday 28th home game against Utah, that's when the last batch of players and coaches could even return to the practice field for the first time. So even if you are conducting practices leading up to that Utah contest, you're definitely missing 
a good number of players, maybe even coaches at this point. And now it just comes to a decision of whether you feel that you can be prepared enough, whether you have enough manpower to even play Utah. And whether you play Utah on Saturday 28th or, or Sunday the November 29th, and I really think it might end up being the latter, you're basically still not in, I would say, peak pregame performance because you're talking about a team, coaches and players that's been off the practice field for two weeks or so. Uh, sure, there's some Zoom calls, some virtual meetings going on, but uh, without having at least two good full practices that would look like your typical Tuesday, Wednesday sessions, if you will. It's hard to imagine the Arizona State team, both coaches and players, feeling that they're adequately prepared to face Utah this coming week and really face any Pac-12 team for that matter. I mean, this whatever squad they end up playing against, it's not going to be a pushover game. It's not going to be that uh, guaranteed win game that you see in the beginning of the season, even though the Pac-12 has opened the door for out-of-conference contests. But I truly believe that if ASU were to play on the 28th or the 29th, which again is a question mark in and of itself, uh, it's probably going to be against a Pac-12 team and not an out-of-conference team. So that's basically the dilemma that Arizona State finds itself right now. So I know the question that's on everybody's mind is, okay, when does Arizona State make that final decision? Because they did decide the Friday before the Cal game they were not going to play and the following uh, Sunday, uh, six uh, full days before their scheduled road game against Colorado, they announced that we'd have to cancel that game as well. So I give credit for Arizona State really not delaying the inevitable. Now they're in a position where, on the one hand, you don't want to drag it out. But on the other hand, if you are going to cancel a game or decide to go ahead with the game, you really have to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row and that you're prepared as much as one can be prepared in these very challenging times to play a game. So because, as we know, Thursday is going to be Thanksgiving Day, it's hard for me to imagine for an announcement to take place at that point. I don't see ASU making an announcement on Friday, which again would be one day before the scheduled Utah game. So I think that it's probably going to look like a Wednesday decision. November 25th, to be exact. And we'll see if Arizona State's going to be in the unfortunate position needing to cancel a third game in a row. Uh, I know that a lot of people are pressing me uh, for an answer, or at least for my point of view on this one. And I think, realistically speaking, while there may be some, some optimism, I mean, definitely less than 50%, if you want to measure that, that a game against Utah or any any other team for that matter could take place on November 28th or 29th. I feel that those chances are low. And I just want to stress that it's not because the initial COVID-19 situation in Tempe got worse as time went along. I am not aware of any coaches or players that had to be hospitalized due to the infection. Head coach Herm Edwards, as of today, I know that uh, was doing still very well. Under the circumstances, again, I'm not aware of any coaches or players where needed um, extensive care, literally or or figuratively, to combat this virus. So it's really more, as I mentioned, the timing of all this, because if 
the positive tests were taking place two, three days earlier, I think that Arizona State realistically would have a better chance, how much better would remain to be seen, to really have adequate practice time before playing their next game. But right now, again, with a good chunk of players not being able to come back until Friday the 27th to play even a game two days later on the 29th does not seem like a likely proposition. But we'll just have to see what uh, a Tuesday or Wednesday before Thanksgiving announcement brings because I think those are the days we can probably expect something. I don't know if we'll see an announcement Sunday or Monday, uh, but you know it, it, it definitely could happen. I don't think anybody expected the cancellation of the Colorado game as early in the week as it was. But again, I think it was also the prudent move by the Sun Devils to make that decision. And obviously the big question is, what are the ramifications of all these cancellations, which again could amount to three games in a row, and and hopefully uh, that would be the end of it, and ASU can play the rest of the schedule as abbreviated as it will be. But when you talk about the ramifications, there's uh, maybe a more positive and a more negative consequence for this long hiatus. So let's maybe start uh, with the negative. I know some people like to like to hear the bad news first. And I think it can affect your recruiting. And look, obviously it's been a challenging recruiting cycle for all the teams in college football. But if you're a team in the Pac-12 or let alone another Power 5 conference competing with ASU for Prospect X or Prospect Y, and you have played multiple games, handful of games, more than Arizona State, either at this current point or even just come the end of the regular season in mid-December, then this puts you in a very tough situation because recruits that are trying to make up their mind, being able to see four games from Team X or six games from Team Y versus ASU that may end up playing just two, three games the entire season that is definitely a less than ideal position to be as you're trying to secure the services of any prospect. And we're obviously going to talk more and more about the recruiting classes as we get closer to the signing period in December, which begins on December 16th. But Arizona State, uh, as you know, has been receiving a lot of decommitments from various players that were pledged to ASU early in the year. I don't want to get into the decisions over here on a public podcast, but I think uh, some of you, especially those of our premium subscribers at devilsdigest.com, know exactly the whole set of circumstances here. But the extra space that now you have in terms of scholarship slots in the 2021 class obviously has to be utilized to the fullest, especially in light of all these decommitments. And it would be hard to some extent to really fill those slots with quality players, with players that on paper are higher caliber than the ones that decommitted from you if you're not playing an adequate number of games compared to the other schools that are in the race. So that's the negative aspect of this hiatus, which is two games, could be even three games, and the adverse effect it can have on a team like Arizona State. Now, the good news is, As we know, the NCAA did institute an eligibility freeze, which in a nutshell means that your class status does not change 
in 2021. So if you're a freshman in 2020, you're going to be a freshman in 2021. If you're a senior in 2020, you'll be a senior also in the 2021 season. So you have a good number of talented seniors that may have had serious doubts, discussions with those close to them, whether they perhaps should take advantage of this eligibility freeze and come back and play for ASU in 2021 and thus improving their draft stock, which with every canceled game uh, is definitely more and more in peril. So when you look at cornerbacks like Jack Jones, Chase Lucas, uh, you look at offensive line and really your three anchors here in center, Kate Cote, right guard Henry Haddis, and left tackle Kellen Deesh. If you can even get two of those players to come back in 2021, then you're really solving yourselves a lot of headaches in terms of trying to find a transfer or a grad transfer to join the team sometime in the spring. Uh, that definitely takes a lot off, off your plate and really allows for more continuity, more chemistry in a position such as the offensive line that really thrives on that trait a lot. And look, I mean, some of the seniors, I probably projecting as having a better chance moving on to the NFL draft, no matter how many games ASU does or doesn't play. Uh, you can find all those details in my premium message board uh, at the uh, Devil's Huddle at devilsdigest.com. I think that even juniors that might have thought about declaring for the NFL draft, maybe safety as Shari Quaswell, for example, now might be in a position where, much like a lot of his teammates, does realize that coming back in 2021, improving uh, their play, which in turn would improve their draft prospect report card, if you will, is something that would be in their best interest. So positions such as the offensive line and the secondary, for example, that could have suffered a pretty big loss of experience, uh, now in a position to maybe retain some of that talent and really be well positioned that much more to elevate the overall team performance of the Sun Devils in 2021. So, I mean, whether there's more adverse effects or more positive effects of not being able to play two games, perhaps even three games at this point, that might be in the eye of the beholder. I think that at first blush, it's definitely not a situation that you want to find yourself in. But if there is a silver lining in some aspect is basically having maybe players you, you did not count on coming back, even if the eligibility freeze rule in 2021, now probably being more apt to be part of the Sun Devil team in 2021 just because of the very interrupted season, which again, at this point, we have no idea as to how many games you're going to get a chance to showcase yourself. And needless to say that you do want to have as expansive as a body of work as possible so you can better position yourself for the NFL draft. So those are the two most significant ramifications, both positive and negative, that I can see in terms of Arizona State's predicament right now, which forces them to already cancel two games, maybe even cancel a third one. And in the next few days, uh, we will find out what the status of 
the Utah game or the status, I guess, of ASU's next game period is and how prepared can the Sudden Devils be at that point and what was a pretty good performance against USC, especially from the defensive side, is there some kind of momentum to be had from even playing just two weeks ago or is it really just starting from scratch? And much like week one, Arizona State being more of an unknown than a team that we can identify, if not rely, on some traits of this 2020 ASU squad. So we're going to know in a few days what the future does hold for the Arizona State season, short term and maybe even long term at this point. And in a few days, we're also going to have ASU basketball tip off its season, a very intriguing matchup in the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut against number two Baylor. So next, let's talk some ASU hoops. So when you listen to the theme of March Madness, it's a given that this ASU basketball team will be in the NCAA tournament. I know it might sound outlandish a little to make such predictions before the season even tipped off, but there's no doubt that this is the most talented ASU squad, the the deepest ASU squad we've seen in quite a while. And I would even go back to the James Harden years and claim that this is a team that in terms of bench players that can be true contributors, that this is definitely a team that has more talent than the one that James Harden had some 11 or so years ago. And that also marked the last time that ASU was actually placed in the preseason top 25. And back then in James Harden's sophomore year, 2008-2009, the Sun Devils never relinquished that top 25 spot from tip-off until the end of the season. And here we are uh, for only the second time this century, Arizona State placed in that Associated Press top 25, number 18 to be exact. And look, there have been a lot of national college basketball experts that have almost unanimously placed ASU in their own top 25 ranking, so this really wasn't a shock. But nonetheless, it's definitely something you should take for granted here in Tempe. But this is definitely a stacked team, and it all starts, obviously, with senior point guard Remy Martin, um, who earned an AP preseason All-American honor, uh, obviously one of the uh, lone first-team Pac-12 returning players from 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 last season and you have then Alonzo Verge another senior guard for ASU who was a sixth man of the year in in the conference last season and then you tack a pair of five-star prospects who are true freshmen Josh Christopher a guard from Southern California and Marcus Bagley a forward from Northern California who actually grew up in Tempe and in many interviews with him. He talked about uh, growing up as a, as a Sun Devil fan, obviously the grandson of Sun Devil great Joe Codwell, 
I went to Corona del Sol High School in Tempe, literally down the road on Rural Road from the Arizona State Tempe campus. So you have those four players who are the presumed starting lineup for Arizona State and rounding out that lineup would be Jalen Graham, uh, the sophomore forward who uh, prepped locally over here at Mountain Point, and somebody who showed a lot of flashes played behind uh, Romello White and probably still would be playing behind White if White decided uh, not to transfer out following the end of last season. And look, if Romello White, who is a proven, formidable post player in the Pac-12, actually stayed on board with the Sun Devils, I think that the predictions, as lofty as they are right now, might have even kicked up a notch or two. I mean, maybe Arizona State gets projected to win the Pac-12 instead of being placed uh, number two, albeit with five first-place votes from the media, yours truly being one of those first-place votes. And maybe Arizona State, who many think could definitely make it to the Sweet 16 with Romello White in the lineup, now maybe you're really talking legitimately as an Elite 18. But nonetheless, I think Jalen Graham, with all the flashes that he showed uh, last year and everything that we heard from Bobby Hurley in the preseason about Graham's development, there's definitely a lot of reason to be bullish about what Jalen Graham could bring to the table and maybe a role that not much would be asked from him other than to be a rim protector, uh, to be a solid paint player, maybe more on defense than on offense, but really curious to see what kind of uh, contributions Jalen Graham can make on both ends of the floor. And if he can take a true leap in his performance from his freshman year to his sophomore year, you're probably not wondering what if Romello White actually stayed on this Sun Devil team. And going back to my earlier point, what makes this ASU team one of the best we've seen in quite a while is the bench that they have. And I'll start with a name that may be familiar to some because he did also prep uh, locally over here, Holland Woods, uh, the grad grad transfer from Portland State. Holland Woods is going to be the backup uh, point guard. And interesting story here that Holland Woods really wanted to play this year for ASU and the coaches were initially reluctant because his playing time would be so scarce that to even try and win an, an appeal with the NCAA for him to be immediately eligible as he comes here with only one year of eligibility left would really seem as a very non-prudent move and that might be putting it kindly. But once the NCAA eligibility freeze rule went into place, then you were basically playing with house money at that point because now Holland Woods winning that waiver from the NCAA actually has this year and next year to be eligible to play for the Sun Devils. And look, not to jump ahead to 21-22, but Holland Woods is, in my opinion, is definitely going to be the star of that team, assuming that Remy Martin and Alonzo Verge are not going to stick around and are now going to go into the NBA draft, as we know, something that they tried to do prior to this season and decided to come back to Tempe. And also assuming that both Josh Christopher and Marcus Bagley are going to be one and dones for Arizona State and not going to be part of the squad 
next season. So Holland Woods can definitely give you a preview, and I should say probably an extensive preview of what he's going to bring to the table next season. But for now, to have a formidable backup to Remy Martin, to have very little drop-off in play, maybe really no drop-off at all when Remy Martin is on the bench for a few minutes and instead of playing just a shade under 34 minutes per game, maybe that number can go a bit south to closer to 30, 31 minutes a game. That can make a big difference in how this ASU offense can operate when you have a fresher Remy Martin on the court, a player that really exerts a lot, a lot of energy to begin with. So if you can cut down his minutes, but at the same time not suffer a setback in performance, that is going to be huge for the Sun Devils. Another player that I look for, and I know that it's a player that really has frustrated ASU fans at times, is junior forward Tayshawn Cherry. And Bobby Hurley in the latest media session that he had did admit that Tayshawn did have some off-the-court issues, which he's not, not going into details with, but definitely issues that affected his season preparedness maybe early on in the preseason. But now Bobby Hurley feels that Cherry is in a good place mentally. We all know about his outside shooting capabilities. And granted, he's a very streaky shooter. But when his shot is falling down consistently, that takes so much pressure off of his teammates being one of the taller players on the team at 6'8". He can actually create some matchup issues for opponents, but Cherry is a player that much is going to be demanded from him on defense because when you look at this ASU team, and unlike what Bobby Hurley said uh, in the last media session, uh, no, I do not expect ASU to go out there with five guards, but I definitely do expect the Sun Devils to be at times challenged in their front court and Tayshawn Cherry is, is definitely a player that I'm not going to say holds the key. That might be too strong of a statement to make, but somebody who could alleviate those concerns that Arizona State would have in the paint if he can increase his defense. Now, don't get me wrong, Cherry, in, in terms of hustle plays, playing with a lot of emotion on defense, he's definitely one of the better players in that department on this team. But in terms of rebounding, uh, blocking more shots, uh, those are definitely areas that you want to see Cherry improve on. And, and again, with a 6'8 frame, uh, not only should he be creating mismatches on offense, but basically also using that length on defense to become a much bigger contributor in that area. It was interesting to see Hurley sing the praises of Chris Austin, the junior college transfer, a, a 6'9 forward, who really came here with not much fanfare at all. Uh, Arizona State, if memory serves you correct, was the only high major program to offer Austin to begin with, who attended Lee College in Texas. And Hurley was very, very complimentary of the energy that Austin brings to the table, uh, the athleticism that that he can bring as well. I'll, I'll admit that my interest has really uh, peaked just because of what Hurley said about Austin because I, I figured him to be a marginal 
rotation player and players like Cherry and others are probably seeing the court much more often than he would. But after listening to Bobby Hurley, I'm much more intrigued than I thought I would be about Austin. So we'll see if his contributions show up from the jump or maybe as a newcomer, it would take him a little longer to acclimate. And when the teeth of Pac-12 play begins in January, maybe that's when we can truly see what he can bring to the table. Taking a look at the other players that I feel are going to be more or less a fixture in the overall rotation for ASU, senior forward Kimani Lawrence is someone who definitely runs hot and cold, if you will. And granted, he had some serious injuries during during his ASU career, and that injury bug unfortunately did not leave him because he did have a knee procedure, which is going to make him probably eligible for the season tip-off against Baylor this coming Wednesday. But then again, I don't know if really we can expect to see much from Lawrence, who has a lot of rust to knock out. I believe Hurley said that Lawrence did miss uh, some six weeks of action in the preseason. On the one hand, an experienced player who probably doesn't have a whole lot to catch up compared to many of his other teammates. But on the other hand, it is uh, quite a long layoff, uh, pretty close to the season tip-off to really call it immaterial and and an aspect that's not going to affect them at all. But uh, Kimani Lawrence, again, maybe like a Chris Austin, is someone who, for different reasons, could really show his worth maybe more in January rather than November or December. And I feel that Holland Woods' emergence as such an important rotation player does make us inadvertently forget about Jalen House, the sophomore guard, obviously the son of Sun Devil great Eddie House, and a player that, look, let's no make, make no bones about it, is really offensively challenged. And when you think about Eddie House and what an offensive firepower he was back in the day, that is still an enigma to me, at least personally. But on the other hand, uh, Jalen House is definitely one of the better defenders on this team. I don't know if I would call him a defensive stopper necessarily. I'd maybe not be at that level quite yet. But in terms of putting him on the best guard of the opponent, uh, that's a role that sometimes Jalen House, and I think the game against Oregon when he guarded Peyton Pritchard, uh, Pac-12 player of the year last season, he actually did a very, very nice job, especially for a freshman back then. So, Jalen House is a player that might be easy to forget just because of all the new sexy names on the roster, if you will. But don't be surprised if there's going to be three minutes here, seven minutes there, where Jalen House really shows that even with modest contributions, he really can be a key reserve player for this team. Perhaps the most intriguing newcomer on this Arizona State squad is Pavlo Dziba, a 6'8 forward from Ukraine, played for the junior team of Barcelona in Spain. And anybody who follows European basketball knows that Barcelona 
nearly year in and year out as one of the powerhouses on that continent. And even though he did not play for the premier Barcelona team, nonetheless, he definitely played for one of the better clubs, not only in Spain, but also on that entire continent, receiving better coaching than probably a lot of other newcomers all across college basketball and definitely also playing a higher level of competition without a doubt. And I know some like to call him the Instagram model. He's very active on Instagram. Uh, Definitely has a body that looks more like like a tight end in football rather than a power forward in basketball. But even though physically I think he is more than ready to play in the Pac-12, he really is behind the eight ball in terms of his development. He literally arrived the day before preseason practices began for ASU in mid-October. Obviously issues, uh, especially during a pandemic, uh, getting a visa for somebody to come overseas uh, is something that played a big factor over here. And once he did arrive, he he had to quarantine for one week before he could practice with his teammates. So everything has been on a delayed schedule with uh, Deziba. So another player, and I know some may sound like a broken record, that you may not see a whole lot from the first 8-10 games, but the more he can play a few minutes here, a few minutes there in various games, I think that come January, February, March, you could see a player that really could help out the interior defense for the Sun Devils because, again, physically, he definitely looks like a player that can bang down low with any post player that Arizona State's going to face. And the biggest irony here is that he did not turn 17 until a few weeks ago. So he actually came to Arizona State still not a legal adult, but still physically built in a way that many fifth-year seniors wish that they could develop physically. So he's definitely the most, like I said, intriguing player on the roster, but another one that for his own set of reasons, you just file under the patience is a virtue category and somebody that not to get really too excited if he really has minimal contributions at best the first 10 or so games, but later down the road, somebody who I think could, in his own way, be another key reserve player for Arizona State. So when you look at the makeup of the roster, this definitely brings back a lot of shades of the Guard U squad that Arizona State had in the 2017-18 season. And when you look at players like Remy Martin, the lone holdover from that team, along with Lonzo Verge, along with Josh Christopher, Holland Woods coming off the bench, and probably even throw in Jalen House in there. This is definitely where the strength of the team does reside, but Hurley made no bones about the fact that he wants his team to be more complete. And a guy like Marcus Bagley, who is really receiving a lot of praise for his outside shooting, still at 6'7", he's, he's going to be much needed as one of being one of the better rebounders on the team, along with Jalen Graham, obviously. And even though you can argue that a team that had Zalin Cheatham 
and Lou Dort, more physical players, a team that was really one of the best rebounding teams, not only under Bobby Hurley, but just really in recent memory in Sun Devil basketball, ultimately did end up with the same achievement of the Guard U team, and that is playing the quote-unquote play-in game in the NCAA tournament, making that trip to Dayton, Ohio. That just proves that if ASU ultimately is going to resemble more of that Guard U team rather than the complete team they had the year later, that it's not necessarily a recipe for disappointment and for a team that is not going to achieve a lot of the high expectations that have been placed on them. But Hurley is absolutely right that he doesn't want to live and die by his guards, for lack of a better term, that he does want this team to have more of an inside presence. Definitely rebounding is going to be huge, especially on the defensive end. And you just can't have some of the more talented teams that Arizona State is going to play, not only in the non-conference slate, which is challenging as usual, but also physical teams in the Pac-12 just cannot be pushing around ASU on a nightly basis just because their front court is still lacking. It makes 100% sense that Bobby Hurley would want to achieve a healthy balance between the performance of his guards and performance of his forwards. But at the same time, I think it's easier said than done. And no one should be surprised if it's going to be a guard-dominated team with front court play that perhaps on many nights is not going to be the one to even come close to carrying uh, this team. And even though this Arizona State squad is one that returns a lot of talent, returns proven players. It's still also a team that needs to build chemistry very, very quickly because when you have two newcomers that are going to be in the starting lineup and Josh Christopher and Marcus Bagley, the cohesiveness of this ASU squad is a trait that really has to manifest itself much earlier than later if it wants to avoid trying to figure out more things than they probably expected or wanted to in the early stages of this 2020-21 season. Bobby Hurley talked a lot about trust. If that element is not going to be present uh, with this team and present in a formidable manner, then it can definitely create some unexpected problems for this team and it's really on both ends of the court the offensive firepower of asu this year is going to be absolutely ridiculous should really be off the charts but you still have to have that measure of trust where there are going to be some nights that you cannot be the primary shooter on a team depending on the flow of the game and the challenges that the opponent is going to present to you on that end of the court. And obviously on defense, really not worrying about doing more than your assignment because you can trust your teammate next to you to execute their defensive duties on any given night. And the beauty of all this is that no matter what you do or don't show in the preseason, in those areas, once the ball is tipped off and you're playing games that count, that's when 
you really get to see if whatever was accomplished in the preseason can translate itself to the season itself. Or maybe on the flip side, if it was an area of concern the entire preseason and maybe Bobby Hurley saying what he's saying is really implying that, then once the season begins, players can show that they really have been able to address that deficiency and really it's not going to be a shortcoming anymore for this team. Bobby Hurley said the word trust is a very important word for him this season and making those public comments, you know, do reach the players one way or another. So let's see how important the trust is for the players that are actually going to be on the court on any given night. And I love the comments that Bobby Hurley said about trust because he talked about the coaches and players really having a relationship that can be compared to dating. And he said, you know, you might be in the honeymoon phase and you're going to the movies and maybe getting a nice dinner, but are you ready to take it to the next level? Are you ready to commit to each other? And he really translated into basketball terms saying, it's great when you have a lot of talent, a lot of expectations and a lot of hype, but you have to do the little things at the end of the day that do enhance the relationship, that do take the relationship to that next level. And this is something that has to be consistent in its effort. And we will see very soon against some very, very challenging teams if Arizona State is able to beat number two Baylor, good chances they are going to face number three Villanova the next day. And there's no doubt in my mind that if what Bobby Hurley is preaching is not being actually executed by his players, then you might be set up for a disappointment in those two games and maybe even the entire season may not go as successful as you expect it to. But going back to my earlier point, I feel that the optimism concerning this Arizona State basketball team is definitely warranted. The amount of talent is undeniable and that is really the key that usually opens a lot of locks. And that'll do it for this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast. To read and hear much more of my content on ASU football and basketball, not only in-season coverage, but also recruiting topics, please join us as a premium subscriber at devilsdigest.com. And if you're ever looking for an incentive or a discount to become a premium subscriber on my website, have we got the deal for you. Just in time for the holidays, all new annual subscribers not only get a discounted $75 rate for their first year subscription, but in addition to that, you will get an either Adidas or Nike non-expiring $75 e-gift certificate, your choice, for joining us with that promotion. So whether you rather pamper yourself or give that gift certificate to a friend or a family member for the, for the holiday season, this is an excellent opportunity for you to take advantage 
as your first year membership is free of charge. All the details can be found on our front page at devilsdigest.com. Or if you'd like to send me a direct message on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Devil's Digest. And please don't delay. Sign up today because this is a limited time promotion and I would hate for you to miss out on one of the best subscription promotions we ever had on our website. And a promotion you're not going to find anywhere else, let alone also one that gives you a gift card for your favorite sports apparel store. As tough of a year this has been for all of us, I hope that this podcast was a welcome distraction for you discussing your favorite topics on Devil Sports. And I'd like to wish everyone listening to this podcast a very happy Thanksgiving holiday, no matter how exclusive your circle is this year. My hopes is that it'll still be a joyous holiday for you and your loved ones. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.